Several years ago, my family and I uh, participated kind of annually in a tradition of Thanksgiving that would go and, and serve others on Thanksgiving morning, specifically trying to help and serve those who were serving us, like the law enforcement community, uh, and also for anybody who had needs. And I remember one particular Thursday, we would always go, especially as a family, and we'd go with the eyes to see Look to see if you can find somebody who has nowhere to go for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, maybe they're there for breakfast just because they want to get out of the house. But let's make sure we look for those who don't have a place to go. Well, that particular year, uh, someone went to a, uh, a shelter and brought these two ladies. And they, two ladies came and they're so grateful. They were so grateful to have a place to go for breakfast. And they were so grateful uh, for this meal that was provided for them. And I got to know them. And I said, hey, would you like to join us uh, for our Thanksgiving dinner? And they said, really? Yes, we would love to have you. And you gave them the address and the means to get there. And, and they came. And as they came to our house for Thanksgiving dinner, something that our youngest daughter, Allie, had done is we had the table set up, a couple of tables set up for the Thanksgiving meals. And at the, each place that someone was going to sit was a name, um, their name, and the place and their, for them to sit down and enjoy this meal. And we had found out these ladies' names, and uh, she wrote their names down as well. So when it came time to come and to sit down and enjoy a meal, they sat down, and what they were blown away with was their name. They just didn't anticipate seeing the power of what it would be like to see their name at a table, a table that would welcome them and with tears and gratefulness, uh, not just for the food or the fellowship, was the dignity and the warmth and the power of, of seeing their name and belonging at the table. There's power in our names. And there's power in a name that is, is known. It's really a powerful thing when someone knows you by name and could call you by name, right? I mean, how much does it bug us when somebody should know your name and still calls you, hey, dude, how you doing, man? Good to see you, you know? Um, and to have our name known. But there's one name that is the ultimate name that has power and authority for all of us to know and to be associated with and the power that comes from that name and the care. Well, you know where I'm going with this. You can probably see it, the power of that name. This morning's sermon is called The Name. And the name that is above every name, the name of God's own son, the name that means savior, the name of Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at that name because in the power of that name, some things, the world was literally changing. In the power of the name of Jesus, what they just had witnessed was a man who was born lame, had 40 years of life, never walked, his life consisted of others helping him. His life consisted of handouts. Can you imagine that life? And the way he kind of got by was he was carried to the temple because there'd be a lot of people there. and There'd be people who were told to be kind there. So that was a good place to go. Smart guy. Let's go where I can get what I need. So this 40-year-old man was carried by others to the temple he was placed there where people were coming in. And here comes a couple of fishermen, Peter and John. Oh, they happen to be apostles and disciples of Jesus. And here they come and they, they, they connect eyes with one another. 
And as they connect eyes with one another, this man whose name is not given in the Bible, he's just described as a lame man. He sees, and there's this incredible scripture wants to make clear. They've made really good eye contact, gazed at one another. And Peter and John say, listen, I, I don't have something to give you. I don't have silver or gold, but what I give you, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus. I'll give you in the name of Jesus. He commands them to get up. When I think about that miracle, I just think about the fact of uh, never having walked for 40 years. And all of a sudden, up, leaping and jumping around. I mean, just... I mean, just incredible. I mean, that's a miracle. I mean, just if he was in a cast for a week, it's a miracle. But he's never walked. It's incredible, right? And so people are doing the freak out. I mean, people are thinking, whoa, wait a minute. We've seen this guy forever. He's always here. And what in the world is going on? Look at him now. He's leaping around. He's jumping up and down. This can't, is this the guy? And so everybody's focusing their eyes on Peter and John. They're like, hey, what are going on with you guys? And I love the fact he's like, hey, listen, we're just ordinary Joes. We're going to see that this morning. We're ordinary Joes. We're common folks. It's not our authority that gives us boldness. It's not our authority that gives us ministry success. It's all the power and authority in Jesus' name. The power of that name continues today. It continues to save us. It continues to heal us. It continues to give us comfort, to challenge us, and to hope. It's the name of Jesus that gives us life. So that's kind of the setting that what was happening in, in the background of this. And we're going to look at uh, three things this morning. Because what, what happened was this, is that once this miracle happened and everybody was saying, wow, this is incredible. Guess what the religious leaders of the day did? Guess what the people who were like in control of the temple did? It was amazing. They joined the worship and they praised God the loudest. Eh. They were threatened. When you have power and authority and somebody else comes in with more power and authority, especially if you're not Christ-like, you're going to be threatened. So it's incredible what happens is, is that people are worshiping and praising God. And Peter is going to tell a sermon saying, guys, let me explain to you what happened. This is all because of Jesus of Nazareth. This is because of his life, death, and resurrection that this man could be made perfectly well. I love the Greek there. Perfectly whole. He is in Christ, has wholeness. And the religious leader says, man, we got to stop this. They throw him in jail. It's kind of late at night. And the next day they're going to get together and try to figure out what happens. They're going to say, listen, you can't talk about this name, Jesus. This name, Jesus, no more. You can't teach about it. Can't talk about it. And they're like, well, judge for yourself. We're going to listen to you. We're going to listen to God. Because there's one name that set us free. There's one name that has made our lives change. There's one name that we can't stop talking about. And no matter what you tell us, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to look at three things that are amazing in this little text this morning. We're going to see the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. We're going to see the power and the authority of the name and in the name. And we're going to see the power and authority of living for the name. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off, and I'm going to be this morning in verses 1 through 22. But let's be mindful that this is God's holy, inerrant word. It'll never lead us astray. And because it's living, it's for us today. This is not an ancient story just then. It's a story for us today. Hear the word of the Lord. 
And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, and let me hit pause right there. By the way, the Sadducees are sad you see because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And what they're really upset about is you have the religious leaders and a bunch of people who don't believe in the resurrection upset because why? Because Jesus was resurrected. The Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. The church is growing. On the next day, the rulers, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. Now hit pause. These are the exact ones that uh, Ananas, uh, Ananias, Uh, And Caiaphas, they're the ones in like John 18 that would turn Jesus over. I mean, this is, is, these are the ones that were responsible to making sure he was crucified. John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well." This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which the you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He's quoting right here, Psalm 118. And by the way, in that Psalm 118, I quoted this morning by saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, the Greek here means they didn't have letters by their name, and they were common men. Probably they didn't have any political connection. They didn't have any real education. And I love it. The Greek word here is kind of like idiots. They were idiots. And that's where we get the word idiots. And again, they weren't meaning our idiots, but these were just common laymen. And yet they were so bold. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. They were speechless. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, this is probably the Sanhedrin, 71 plus leaders, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. 
For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. It's incredible. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. And Father God, we thank you for this amazing, amazing story. And God, we thank you for Peter and John, these uneducated, common fishermen who you use to do amazing things. And God, we thank you that they were fixing the people's eyes and even the leader's eyes, not on themselves, but on the only name under heaven whereby we can be saved. The name of Jesus. Father, it's because of that name we gather this morning. And God, we need to be reminded of the power and authority of that name. So God, would you come and do that which only you could do? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Oh God, would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand this story in your word? God, would you give us hearts to embrace your truth? And would you give us feet that would walk obedient to this name? God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. One of the greatest joys of having four children is naming your children. It's a parent's joy. You have the power and authority over your kids that power and authority seems to go away quickly. But, you know, you have the joy of that. Jesse Elizabeth Jakes. We got the name Jesse as a family name on a gravestone at a, at a reunion in Wisconsin. We saw the name Jesse Lyman. And we're like, oh, Jesse Lyman Johnson. We like that name. We're pregnant. Let's name our daughter Jesse. I don't know if it's morbid or not, but we saw it on a, on a, on a tombstone. Elizabeth, named after one of my wife's sisters. And then my, my first boy. What do you name your first boy? Jeffrey Peter Jakes Jr. I mean, you give them your name, the joy of there's somebody else with my name in this earth. And maybe it's a little egotistical, but I love the reality that I have a son that shares my name. We call him JP. And then there was Caleb Ward Jakes. Maybe, maybe the most biblical of them. We got a uh, biblical name of Caleb. And I love Caleb because why? Caleb was a spy. What dad doesn't want their kid to be like a, a warrior spy, right? But here's what he does. He, I mean, this spy, it says his name, Caleb, is, is really, it means he served the Lord wholeheartedly. And it was just a prayer of, man, Lord, let, let, let this boy serve you wholeheartedly. The middle name of Ward, my wife's maiden name, and the joy of Caleb Ward Jakes. And then the caboose in our family, Allison, named after my beloved sister, 1L, Allison. Middle name Blakeman, uh, named after my, my mother's maiden name and, and the, the line of where Christianity came into my family, Blakeman, Allison Blakeman Jakes. The joy of sharing those names, the power, the authority that gives you that, that kind of identifies them as yours. But do you know that Mary and Joseph didn't have the power and authority to give the name to, let's say really Mary's Firstborn son, remember that whole Christmas story overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, right? The virgin will conceive. But they did not have the power and authority to give Jesus his name because why? Jesus came already named. He was already given the name. Uh, and the name would be Jesus, right? Why? Well, the power and authority of the name is this. 
that in his incarnation, when God put on flesh, he had the name of Jesus. Why? Because the name will tell us what he was to do and what he had the power to do. The name of Jesus. Give him this name. Why? Because watch this. Because he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph, you can't name this one. Why? Because he's greater than you. He's over you. This one already comes as he comes with that name to what he's going to do. But so he's given the name Jesus because he's going to be Savior. And then as he saves us, this is incredible, is that you're going to see in Jesus this humiliation and exaltation. Now stick with me with this. Jesus was uh, brought low. I mean, God was put on flesh to come among us. But I love what Paul will say in Philippians chapter 2 about the name of Jesus and, and the reality of what he has done. So I'm going to pick up 2, verse 6 through 11, and it's going to basically say this. Who, though he was in the form of God, Jesus was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What this is saying here is this eternal one Jesus, who always has been and always will be God, didn't just hang on to all that power and authority, for to rec- rescue us, he did something incredible, but emptied himself. He humbled himself by taking the form of the servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Let's hit stop. His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to save his people from his sins. And this name of Jesus, it's amazing. He's going to put on flesh. He's going to be a servant. And he's going to be humbled. He's going to be humbled to the point of death. It's the worst kind of death. He's going to be humbled to the point of death on the cross. And and in that humiliation, he had to be humbled. Why? Because he had to find us in our lowness and our brokenness. He had to go as deep and dark and far down as he could find all of sinners like us. And because of that reality, because of his obedience, because of his death on the cross, look at verse 9. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the beautiful thing about the gospel, that God's Son would put on flesh and be called Jesus because he's going to save us. And in that saving us, he would be humbled to the point of even death on the cross. And because of the reality and the depth that Jesus would go to save us, God lifted his name above them all. And he gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, that every tongue will confess Every knee will one day bow. Now he has all authority given to him. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, in what's called the Great Commission, Jesus has his disciples, and he's going to send them on a world mission to go and tell the good news, to to make disciples, to teach him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to disciple him and baptize him in the triune God's name. And he says, here's what he says to him. Hey, guys, all authority where in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. You want to talk about the name of Jesus? It's a name above every name. You want to talk about the authority of Jesus? He's got all authority in heaven and earth. Now, for me, I got to sit there and think, well, didn't Jesus always have all authority? Why does he say now 
I have all authority in heaven and earth. Because the resurrected Jesus has defeated all of God and our enemies. Death has been defeated. The chasm between heaven and earth has been bridged. All the authority is in the name of Jesus. So when they're asking, what authority, what name are you healing this man? Let me tell you about the authority in the name. This is the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names. And there's a therefore. Because of that reality, therefore, no other name under heaven given among men must be saved. The thing that boils my blood more than any is for the world's religion trying to make Jesus one of many. One way of many that he is a way to a God or peace or karma or whatever, that he is one way. Jesus himself doesn't give us that luxury. In God's word, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way. And now, in a world that says, it's so arrogant of you, in a world that says it's so exclusive of you, but here's the reality. If it is true, this one is God's son. If it is true that he became humiliated and obedient to the point of death on the cross, if it is true that only through him our sins have been paid and a holy God's wrath has been appeased, if it's only through him in an open tomb that life reigns, what in the world can we say there might be another way? Yeah, Jesus, he's just one of many. No, he's not. He's the name above every name. He's the name. And listen, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And by God's grace, there are those of us in this room now who can say he is Lord now. Not because we're smarter, not because we're better, but because of God's grace. But the reality is the power and authority of Jesus' name. Therefore, there's no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved. It's the only way for our sins to be forgiven and life to be given. It's the only way for us to have true life and life abundantly. It's in that name alone. Now, most of us know that, but we often, often still live our lives for our own name, looking for life apart from his name. And the reality is there's one name, and that name is Jesus. That name, and he also will go on to say in this incredible sermon, he'll say, now Jesus is that stone the builders rejected. He's become the cornerstone. Uh, again, he's going to quote Psalm 118.22. Stick with me. This is really cool. I don't want you to miss it. He's saying, because of the power and authority of this name, it's the only one you can be saved. But in this cornerstone, in this Jesus, here's what God is doing. He's doing something brand new. Here's what he's doing. He's making people new. This crippled man that you see here, he is new because of Jesus. The only way that we will be made new creatures is because we place our faith in him alone as our Messiah. But this cornerstone is something more. He's basically saying the cornerstone that the builders, those, those leaders rejected, has become the cornerstone of a new temple. Jesus would say, destroy, I'm the true temple, destroy this body, destroy, destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to raise it up. They're like, what are you talking about? It took years to build this thing. He's like, I'm not talking about these bricks, I'm not talking about these stones. I'm the place, watch this, I'm the place that God and sinners meet. I'm the place where God dwells. If you want to dwell with God and you want to have a place of peace and harmony, I'm it. I'm that new temple. And on me is a cornerstone. And I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 2. We're living stones. Living stones being built up 
into a spiritual house that we now in Christ Jesus are the temple. It's incredible, but there's more. Not only is he making us a new temple, he's making us a new people, he's making us one. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, write this down because I'm not going to go there, but I want you to see it. Ephesians 2, he's going to say, I'm going to make a new people out of Jews and Gentiles. I'm going to make people that used to hate each other brothers and sisters. And I'm going to be the cornerstone of that. I'm going to be the cornerstone. I'm going to make them one in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful reality that goes beyond the fact that we could be one with Gators and Seminoles, Democrats and Republicans, black and white, Jew and Gentile, male and female. The name of Jesus, this cornerstone, this cornerstone that makes us new creations in Christ, unbelievable. This cornerstone that makes us the temple of God, unbelievable. This cornerstone that's going to make us one in Christ Jesus, unbelievable. There's no other name where we are to be saved. That's the reality. Okay, the power and authority um, of the name. I want to talk about the power and authority in the name. Now, as, as we are believers, we've been given his name, right? We, we bear that name. And in the name of Christ, what happens? A few things I want to show. I want to give you three things. One is we're made well. This lame man was made well through the name of Jesus, through the work of Jesus, the reality of Jesus. And again, we have to realize in the story, we are that lame man, right? Maybe we're not physically broken, but scripture is going to tell all of us that we are by nature children of wrath. By nature, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. The only way any of us are made whole and right, forgiven and righteous, is in the name of Jesus. We are made well today, and one day we'll be made perfectly well. But we're also made bold in Christ Jesus. As we allow him to work in our life, we're made bold. These uneducated common men were bold and powerful through Jesus. Through that name. I love it. It's Jesus himself in the Gospel of Luke where he's going to say, hey guys, when you get hauled before the courts, when you get hauled before the authorities, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to empower you. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you. And here we see that that's being fulfilled. Look at the power of the Holy Spirit. How powerful was Peter before he received the Holy Spirit? He was such a scaredy cat that to a servant girl, he denied Jesus on his worst day. And now... Filled with the Holy Spirit. He's standing up before all these tall-hatted religious leaders that were telling him to shut up. And they're like, who are these dudes? These guys smell like fish. These guys have no education. Who are these guys? Who gave them this boldness? I love the fact that they were speaking. And what does it say about the, the rulers? They were silent. They couldn't say anything. They can't deny the miracle. I love the fact they're not even arguing over the resurrection. <laughs> I love that. Just let that sink in. But God has given them, made them both well, made them bold. But he also made them recognizable. Hey, these fellas smell like fish. They're doing amazing things. But aren't these the guys that hung out with Jesus? Haven't they been with him? Let me ask you this question. Is there enough evidence in your life that people would look at your life and say, aha, they've been with Jesus? Is it a recognizable fact that in that name, living for that name, growing in that name, that they'll say, yeah, yeah, they're broken sinners. They're, they're still a mess. But you know what? They recognize Jesus in them. Is that not our goal? The power, 
the authority in the name. It makes us well, it makes us bold, and it should make us recognizable. Now, something I got to say here, very, very important. Faith Faith in the name, we talked about faith last sermon, a couple sermons ago. Faith in the name is the conduit to our salvation, but Jesus is the object of our salvation. This is very important. Oftentimes, Christians say, hey, I'm saved by faith. It's true, by God's grace through faith. But remember, it's not at the end of the day that we get to heaven because we had faith. No one goes to heaven because of faith. Faith links us to the object of salvation. Salvation is only in Jesus. That object, the one who lived the life we failed to live, the one who died the death we deserved, the one who was resurrected, that is how we are saved. In the name of Jesus alone is our salvation. You know, as a pastor, you all often ask people, hey, uh, <laughs> terrible questions like this. If you were to die tonight, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And oftentimes it goes, yeah, I, I believe, I have faith. And I'm always waiting for faith for what? You know, because even, as Scripture says, even the demons believe and shudder, but they certainly don't have saving faith, right? Our faith needs to take us to a person. And that person is God's son in flesh, Jesus. And that faith needs to take us to a life and a death and a resurrection. And that's how we're saved. We're saved in Christ. So we see the power and authority of of the name. We see the power and authority in the name that we live in that. And the power and authority of living for the name. And again, I I think of the example I want to tell you this is I I had a personal example. And that is my own mom. Um, Her birthday was the 22nd, just two days ago. And she's with Jesus now. And I know that she's loving that because she loved him every day of my life. And it was just a love affair that she had with Jesus. It wasn't about religion. It wasn't about guilt. It wasn't about something she had to do. She just couldn't help doing it, right? I mean, she wanted to spend time with Jesus. She wanted to tell people about Jesus. And there was tons of time in my life where I didn't want her to do it. I mean, we would go to Friendly or some restaurant, and somehow the conversation always got to Jesus. You know, I'm like, Mom, can you give it a rest for a little bit? Can we talk about something else? Do you have to tell everybody? Are you like the only missionary out there, the only evangelist? But I love the fact she didn't do it out of guilt. She didn't do it because someone told her to. She did it because she talked about what she loved. You will talk about what you love. You want to know what you love? Ask others to tell you what you're talking about. I love talking about Polly June, the cutest grandkid ever. I love talking about my four kids. My goodness, I started my sermon about it, right? I love talking about the world's greatest woman, my wife, Katie. You're going to talk about what you love. You talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, 6-2 win last night. It was awesome. What do you talk about? Is it yourself? That's what a lot of us love the most is ourself. If, you're, if your conversations are all about you, you got the wrong person on the throne. You're, you're living for the wrong name. You're going to talk about what you love. Are you talking about Jesus? Peter and John were commanded by the religious leaders not to teach or talk about the name of Jesus. And they basically said this, hey, <laughs> judge for yourself. Do we listen to you or do we listen to God? Because you know what? This Jesus, we hung out with him. You know, he walked on water. I was there when 
Jairus' daughter was raised to life. I was there when that woman stopped pleading. I was there when he took the fish and the loaves and he fed the 5,000. He turns around and feeds 4,000 more. I was there. I was there when they pierced him and I was there when they crucified him. But you know what? I was there when he touched me and we ate fish together and he's alive. I was there when the Holy Spirit came as his promise. He would come and now I'm his witness. Judge for yourself. I can't help but talk about him. Because my whole life has been changed because of him. I've been made new. I'm a part of a new family. I'm his and I'm loved. And we can't help but talk about him. I think one of the greatest gifts that God can give us It's just a love and a joy of the gospel that never gets old. Oh, my dear, beloved congregation, do you know the name of Jesus? Do you know the joy that your name is at the table? That when you get there face to face, your name will be there? Man. Is it the name of Jesus? Is it what really saved you? I just had a great conversation with a young lady who grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, and it wasn't until college. He says, I get it. Wow, I was so close to it the whole life, but I kind of get it. I don't even know how, but now I get it. Oh, I hope and pray that every one of you knows the name of Jesus because your knee will bow, your tongue will confess, but the joy of that now, that reality now, and living for him now. Are you recognized as having been with Jesus? Would the world look at you and say, yeah, I, man, they smell like the aroma of Christ. Are you living for the name? Because there's no greater name to live for. Please, 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 don't aim so low and live for your little name. Live for the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you would share that name with us. Hmm. There's something amazingly beautiful about a family name. And the name that is above every name is our family name in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that grace and that faith. God, we thank you for the joy of not living for our little selves, but living for you. Father, I pray for anyone here who's been maybe close that name but never embrace that name as Lord and Savior that today would be the day that they would put their faith they would repent and believe in you and but for God for those of us who have been living knowing you but living for our names help us to repent and live for you this Thanksgiving we're so grateful for the name that is above every name the name of Jesus and it's in his name that we pray amen